You're listening to a podcast from 702. Coming up this hour, because it is a Wednesday, it is our masterclass. And today's masterclass is all about artificial intelligence. So we'll be taking your calls on 011-883-0702, your SMSs 31702, your tweets at Relebukhile M, at Radio 702, using the hashtag 702 Afternoons, and the WhatsApp line 072 702-1702. And maybe you can think about the many different ways that you actually already incorporate artificial intelligence into your life. It's eight minutes after two o'clock. 702. Masterclass. From Siri to self-driving cars, artificial intelligence is actually progressing quite rapidly. And while science fiction often portrays AI as robots with human-like characteristics, AI can encompass anything from Google search algorithms to IBM's Watson to autonomous weapons. So we're joined on the line now by uh, Professor Sarab Sina, Deputy Vice-Chancellor, Research and Internationalization at the University of Johannesburg. Professor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Hi, good afternoon, uh, and good afternoon to the listeners. So what exactly is AI? I mean, we, we have this idea, if we speak about technology and where it could go, I always think about the Back to the Future films and how they would portray where we would be in 2020-something. But what is AI exactly um, beyond just what we see in movies and on television? Uh, I like the Back to the Future component, <laughs> and I think I will actually... <laughs> I will I will leverage that and go a bit back. I think that when AI was introduced by Professor McCarthy in 19, 1956, well, he coined the word uh, words artificial intelligence. He described it as uh, the science and engineering of making machines intelligent, as simple as that. Yes. But I think what is quite uh, interesting today, Lebochile, uh, is that it's not only the science and engineering. It's also, you know, it's evolving into a stage where you have uh, the humanities and the social sciences that's also coming together in the way that we think about artificial intelligence. So, in a, you know, so if you think about, uh, you know, how do you enable computing systems to adopt and adapt uh, like we, uh, like, like human or human-like intelligence, then we are really thinking uh, artificial intelligence so if we were to take a step back, how do we actually say what human intelligence is? Is it that thing that differentiates us from animals? You know, I think that uh, that's a good, uh, good line because if, you, if we think about a artificial intelligence or the sometimes associated with the fourth industrial revolution, I think that one way of thinking about artificial intelligence is actually to think about human intelligence. And when we think about the human intelligence, we're often thinking about, you know, the nervous system. You know, the nervous system includes uh, the central nervous system, the peripheral nervous system. Uh, and we are then thinking about, you know, how a person thinks, uh, how we sense information, how does that information that we sense, how does it go to ultimately to the brain for processing, and then certain reactions uh, reactions emerge. I think if you think about that, 
that is what uh, computing uh, is moving uh, towards. Uh, I say that in two words because there are different phases of uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, at the moment, uh, we are still in, in relatively early phases of machine learning, uh, but it's moving uh, much faster than what we have uh, experienced uh, before. So, so I would uh, bring it about from, uh, from that uh, analogy, machines trying to be or behave like humans. So what, would, what is the actual benefit of that? Because many people will have the fear that automation means that their jobs, for example, become redundant and that fewer people will be able to have employment and us facing the employment crisis we are, this is actually something to be afraid of. So why is AI uh, positive? Why is it something that we should be excited about? Yeah, of course, uh, you know, the what is, I think, uh, apparent at the moment, and I think uh, particularly given the COVID-19 period, is that before the COVID-19 period, we said that the future world of work uh, will change. Uh, and I think that the COVID-19 period has just amplified that, you know, the amount of work that we do remotely uh, is mo much more than ever before. Now, when you think back in terms of the different industrial revolutions from the first to the fourth industrial revolution where we are right now, uh, each of these industrial revolutions did in fact displace certain type of jobs, but in place of those jobs, they created new jobs. Now, the options that we have uh, is to one, engage with the discipline of artificial intelligence, uh, and uh, be part of that journey uh, in terms of the future world of work. I do think that South Africa has certain advantages. For one, that South Africa has a, a large youth population, which does give it an advantage since youth often connect well with technology. Uh, and so I think that, uh, you know, there could be, could, be, could be a number of advantages in terms of the new jobs that this technological era will create uh, as certain uh, jobs uh, in of the past, uh, particularly those that are redundant, uh, will be dis will be displaced. Uh, I should maybe give one uh, quick example that when uh, you think about a company like Apple and a number of you are using Apple devices, uh, then we often think about uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, you might also think about Wozniak, who was the other co-founder. But when I think about uh, about Apple uh, and Jobs, uh, I excuse the pun, uh, I'm using the pun here that Steve Jobs, the, the surname Jobs, uh, also created a lot of new kind of jobs mm. uh, within uh, that environment. So I think it's also about you know how we see it. They do say that opportunity and risk are two are two sides of the same coin. So in, in, in conclusion, to base on what you're saying is while some jobs may eventually disappear, new ones are appearing. It is a part of that process of, of evolution and, and, and that kind of thing. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, I can give uh, perhaps an, an example. That, and, you know, uh, I... Where, you know, I was looking at one of our students uh, who had created a, a small uh, kind of a, of a shop, and it was an online shop, by the way, uh, and it was very much like how Uber uh, works. Uh, you know, Uber at the moment, uh, you know, you are 
calling a car, you may not necessarily have, you know, the, the company may not have those cars per se, but they are everywhere. And so what this student had done was he had done something very similar using his mobile phone. Uh, and what was interesting was that all he had done was he had created a, an app uh, which uh, where he would make available his uh, Wi-Fi, his phone as a Wi-Fi hotspot. And when you try to connect to that hotspot, you will be able to access his uh, his his market at the same time. Mm. Now, if you think about that, I mean, who would have thought that, you know, you, the phone that is in your pocket is also a job of opportunities? Uh, we were actually thinking that the individual was underemployed only to then realize that the person is actually able to use the mobile to also create an additional revenue opportunity. Mm. So I think that there are a number of opportunities that come about during this uh, this revolution, uh, which I do think that uh, we, at, particularly as South Africa, should take advantage of. So if we are to give some practical examples, because, um, you know, I have this feeling that many people that are listening are like, AI might seem like something that is so far removed from their life, but maybe it already is in their life. Where is AI being experienced and being used in, you know, the the, the everyday life of South Africans at the moment? Yeah, you know, I think that there are hardly there is hardly anyone here who who is listening right now who may have not uh, who may not be using AI in one way or the other on a daily basis. Uh, in fact, when I was doing a show like this some time ago, I decided to uh, say to think about how to make your show interactive, and I used uh, the simple two words, uh, "Hey Google." Mm. And I don't know if you have phones in your office, but I suspect that if I said "Hey Google," a number of phones of your listeners would have actually activated, uh, because those are the keywords that uh, your that a number of smartphones would use, and of course, Apple phones would use Siri or would would use Alexa or would use Cortana, and that's a very one very simple component. Uh, of of AI, but all your mobile phones uh, do already use some form of uh, learning algorithms, uh, and learning algorithms uh, are very much part of uh, of AI. Uh, if you think about going on Facebook social media, I think that's another example which will uh, resonate with a number of listeners. Is that when you go on Facebook and you are thinking about certain things, and suddenly next to your profile you start to see certain ads and you get a little bit worried when you see that you say, but wow, was my phone listening to me? Mm. But what was actually happening was that, you know, you were talking to your friends uh, about, uh, or you were communicating with, with, uh, you were interacting on other things unrelated on Facebook. And what happens is that a Facebook uses something, a, a, an algorithm, uh, which does uh, some kind of predictive, Analytics. So the data is converging uh, without you necessarily even talking to the device. But as you are interacting in different spheres, this data fuses and thus you start to see these ads. Uh, And that's maybe another example. A little bit scary, isn't it? No, it definitely is. I actually saw somebody saying, if you want your man to get you something for Valentine's Day, start to say things around his phone that you want so that he can be bombarded with adverts of those things and get the hint of what to buy you. 
Yeah, and so when you're probably talking about it or typing about it, uh, that data starts to become feed. Uh, and uh, since your your partner is likely to be on your uh, network within your network, uh, your partner is likely to to see those as uh, areas of of your interest, uh, and would probably see a take a lot uh, uh, take a lot or another uh, you know online store. Uh, putting forward that that ad. So, Nabuchile, if you and the others are thinking about doing that, it might not be such a bad strategy. Valentine's is, is coming up next week. <laughs> I like that one, giving some ideas to the people mm-hmm. that are listening. But I'd like to inv- invite um, those of you that are listening. How do you use artificial intelligence in your life? Maybe you've got a question for the professor. 11 SMS us 31702. Tweet at M at Radio 702 using the hashtag 702 Afternoons and the WhatsApp line 072 702 Masterclass So we continue our conversation with uh, the professor who is a Deputy Vice Chancellor Research and Internationalization at the University of Johannesburg Professor, in terms of the development of artificial intelligence um, where are we in relation to the rest of the world? Yeah, so I think that uh, you know, the artificial intelligence generally, you could say, has got maybe three stages. The first stage is what we call uh, artificial narrow intelligence, uh, which we often think about as machine learning. The second phase is called artificial general intelligence, uh, which is uh, the, the first one was machine learning and the second one is machine intelligence. And the third phase is called artificial superintelligence, which moves to another level, which deals with machine consciousness. Now, in terms of the work that is ongoing in uh, academia and in industry in South Africa, we are pretty much uh, in in the zones between machine learning and machine intelligence somewhere in between these areas. So if you think about AI as artificial intelligence, the movement is moving towards augmented intelligence, uh, where you start to see metaverse, you start to see digital assets come about. And South African, particularly uh, in, in, in some, you know, you see some start, startups, uh, very interesting work that's happening. They are very much moving in this direction. Uh, around uh, machine inter- machine learning and intelligence. And uh, so I would say that we are, there's a lot more that we need to do in terms of uh, capacity development initiatives. Uh, and I should say that at the University of Johannesburg, we have uh, almost in the range of 250 masters, postdoctoral and PhD students that we are supporting. And so there is quite a bit of movement uh, going on uh, in terms of these areas of machine learning and machine intelligence. Let me pause here and uh, I would elaborate if uh, if you want. Yes, please do. Yeah, so I think that, you know, the, the way I also like to see the aspects around machine learnings and algorithm development is that there is also quite a bit of data that develops in this space. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, how in South Africa, we are creating a lot of data. uh, And we do need to understand 
you know, the opportunities created by this data, uh, both one from the privacy and the ethics point of view, and there is quite a bit of research that is ongoing in that domain uh, as well. Uh, and then the second part is actually the, the area of algorithm uh, development. And I think that especially in the area of algorithm, there may be uh, one or two unique areas where South Africa uh, and Africa in general uh, can play a big role, which is in uh, what is sometimes referred to as ethically aligned uh, algorithm design. Uh, and I think, and what it essentially means is that you design algorithms that are closer to the human value system. Uh, and here there are companies also in South Africa that are looking at how do you include the value system of Ubuntu when you are designing uh, algorithms so that um, we are, especially when uh, the AI moves into the domain of artificial superintelligence, then we have been able to balance some of the goods and the negatives of uh, artificial intelligence. So there is quite a bit of work going on in this domain from a transdisciplinary perspective. So what are some of those, you know, you're saying some of the good and the negatives, what are some of those negatives? Yeah, I'll give an example of uh, of negative. Now, negative can sometimes be uh, intended, sometimes can be unintended. So let's say that if you are driving uh, in Johannesburg or in any other city and you use your Google device or your phone for asking for directions, and many of us do that, and the moment you do that, you, of course, start to contribute data, your data usually as well, uh, which is how your Google map tells you how busy is the road. Mm. That's because you're contributing data. Yes. Now, let's say that you select an option uh, to find the nearest fuel station. Uh, and you select that and you uh, then your device tells you exactly how to get there. Now, let us hypothetically, uh, hypothetically speaking say that there was another algorithm that was designed to optimize profits for the fuel station. Mm. And if there was such an algorithm and that algorithm colludes with your mapping algorithm, and in that and through that collusion, it sends you on and it gives you an extra mile or kilometer to drive because that will then give the fuel station and an, a slight advantage. Uh, and imagine if that starts to happen with many people because the algorithm was designed to optimize profit. And so these unintended and hopefully not, but intended uh, uh, collisions of algorithm, sometimes it's referred to as colonization by algorithms can have certain uh, negative, uh, neg negative instances. And then, of course, the other, which I think uh, many people would be experiencing is this, uh, this area of, of data ethics, uh, which gets simply created because data and algorithms are two very important parts that affect and make effect effective uh, artificial intelligence. All right, let's quickly go to a caller. We have Brian in Midrand. Hi, Brian. Hey, Lebo, how's it? Good, thanks, uh, and you? Want, well, thanks, man. I just wanted to make my uh, small contribution with regards to the artificial intelligence. Mm. So I'm in a field uh, called uh, robotics process automation. So 
we do a lot of uh, content management and content capturing, right? So we do a lot of invoice processing and whatnot. So there is a platform that we use, uh, which is called FSOP, which makes use of machine learning. What it does is uh, you actually load in a document once, and uh, when the document uh, or a similar type of document comes through in future, it will know exactly where the content resides. So your, your, your capturing process is automated uh, without actually using or making use of human beings and stuff. Not to say anything bad about humans, but yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's such a practical way to explain how it works. So in essence, it learns it once in the machine learning uh, process, which means then you yeah. will tell it what to do when it gets X information. This is correct. So it will be able to then know this is an invoice this is where I get the invoice number, this is where I get a total, this is a shipment order, this is XYZ, based off of uh, some machine learning and intelligence that is put together. So has the machine ever made a mistake? Uh, it does. Uh, you get false positives, but they are definitely not as often as when you make use of, uh, of, of uh, you know, actual human capital. Yeah, so as in the, the mistakes of the machine are fewer than human error. This is correct, yes. And, and mor- on a, from a moral standpoint, how do you feel about the fact that this could be a, another human being doing it? Even though it's not your responsibility, I'm just curious about your, your thoughts on that. that. That's a good question, Lebo. Uh, you know, uh, I, I definitely feel that, uh, I mean, it comes at a cost uh, to, to, to the uh, different skills uh, and the different individuals that would be manning these positions prior to the automations and whatnot. But uh, if you look at it on another angle, then uh, it actually uh, um, assists in the individuals scheming themselves up into a more modern and more practical you know, environment. Mm. So it, it, it's almost a double-edged sword if you, if you look at it. Yeah. I've got you completely. Brian and Midran, thank you so, so much for that call. We're in the middle of a masterclass on artificial intelligence, and we will continue straight after the news. 702 Masterclass. Today's masterclass is on artificial intelligence. We've been in conversation with Professor Sarab Sena, Deputy Vice Chancellor, Research and Internationalization at the University of Johannesburg. Uh, Professor, I've actually got a tweet here that says, the machine makes fewer mistakes, doesn't arrive late, never absent on Mondays, doesn't bring sick notes, and never takes leave to attend funerals. And I guess maybe for many small business owners and employers, automation is an absolute positive. I've even seen at certain fast food chains, I've seen it at McDonald's, that um, now you can literally do all your own orders, get a slip, and then collect your food without having to engage with a person. Yeah, indeed. Uh, there is, uh, I mean, s- small businesses, uh, I think a number of them have opted into automation. But uh, as I was listening to, you know, the the earlier uh, speaker, I immediately realized that, uh, you know, you have that, that new jobs are being created, but it's also that it's not just an industrial revolution, uh, it's also a skills uh, revolution. Mm. And I think that if we think about it in that way, and I can give an example in, in our, you know, in our library where we brought in the, uh, you know, the automated scanning devices. And initially we had put these devices as an option, 
Uh, and uh, people who were at the front desk, uh, they felt quite, um, you know, quite uh, scared by these uh, these devices that were coming in because they felt that their jobs would be taken away. And what we had done is that in parallel, we had a program where uh, people could be upskilled to learn new skills, new competencies, so that they can actually be removed from that redundant part of their work. Uh, and I think that uh, all employers uh, would need to think about not simply that, you know, here is technology that will be a solution, but would need, need to think about it from a, uh, from a human perspective uh, of change management, uh, that it is not the lack of technology. Uh, the technologies will be there to do things, but how do you actually uh, equip your, your workforce uh, so that that workforce uh, leverages and makes benefit of the automation so that your productivity increases. And of course, if your productivity increases, you can plow that back into your organization. You could use that to hire uh, new uh, individuals who may be able to do certain things that machines are not able to do, mm-hmm. not at least yet. All right, we've got another caller, Brent. Hi, Brent. Hey, Rene Bokile. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, I work uh, with an organization called Harambe Youth Employment Accelerator. Um, And we've got, um, you know, we're trying to take on the bold goal of trying to solve youth unemployment. And that means we need the best technology. Uh, We need the best minds and we need the best technology. Because I think when it comes to artificial intelligence, um, we, as as the professor was saying, it's, um, it's growing up. And so it's important that we teach, teach it the right values. Um, and so, yeah, practically, I mean, we're using a, um, a form of artificial intelligence called natural language processing, natural language understanding, uh, which is a rapidly advancing field of AR. It's, and it's all about can a machine, can a computer understand what you're saying? Um, and for us, obviously, that's very simple. But for a computer, it takes a lot of work. Um, and so we've got a chatbot that right now it works on mainly Facebook Messenger. We've got thousands of, of messages um, pretty much every day. Um, and IAR works together with our incredible team of, of we call them guides. Um, and it helps us answer young people who are in need of advice, um, guidance, and actually just a bit of hope at 2 a.m. in the morning. So our chatbot uses that natural language processing understanding to um, here and try to understand what the query is, what the question is, and try to give some support and answers. And, and it, you can't get close to the level of empathy, you know, like the, that we mentioned earlier. It can, uh, artificial intelligence can do so much. Um, but at the end of the day, human beings are the best at expressing empathy. Um, but we need to be using AI to really help and to do good in the world. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm think we're we're getting the ability to to do that thank you so much for for sharing that brent professor do you have any thoughts on brent's call yeah certainly i think that the chatbot is a great example uh and uh, for your list for your listeners uh, if they are interested in creating their own uh chatbot uh, there are free uh, free systems like snatchbot uh, if you if you search for snatchbot you'll actually come through one of those platforms uh, and you can create a bot that you can inc- in, you can uh, integrate onto your Facebook, onto your LinkedIn, uh, and it will. Uh, and you can train it. Uh, and what is also interesting about these chatbots 
is that uh, you can also uh, it it also has the ability to learn uh, in different languages that uh, present. Of course, it will not be uh, 100% uh, accurate in terms of its comprehension, but with data, uh, it starts to learn, uh, you know, languages, including African languages. And some of this is already, of course, uh, already on these online systems. For example, uh, you know, Isizulu in, in South Africa, simply because there are more, more speakers, you find that there's more data that is available online. Uh, and so the comprehension with, of these chatbots uh, is, is a bit better. Uh, maybe a second comment there is about emotions. Uh, and I will say that, you know, we've recently started an, an, a research center on, uh, you know, we're looking at, at, a, at a research center on emotional intelligence in the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, and I think that the first uh, robot, or some people call it a cobot because it works with people, uh, that came about to uh, look and assess uh, people's emotions was a robot called Kismet which was uh, developed by MIT. Uh, I think it was maybe around about 1998 or something like that. Um, and uh, what is happening is that with the amount of data that is being there, that machines are moving also uh, in that side of, of, of understanding uh, emotions. I would still say that we are very far from that. Uh, at the moment, uh, but uh, it's it's not something that's impossible uh, in in a few years from now. I want to. I definitely want to talk a bit more about the emotion part, but we need to take a bit of a break. O double one double eight three o seven o two. If you've got a question or a comment for myself and the professor, and the WhatsApp line o seven two seven o two one seven o two. 702 Masterclass. In today's Masterclass, we're talking artificial intelligence. We take your calls on 011-883-0702, your WhatsApps and voice notes 072-702-1702. We're chatting to Professor Sarab Sina, Deputy Vice Chancellor, Research and Internationalization at the University of Johannesburg. Professor, I think one of the things that I hold on hope um, just in terms of um us talking about automation and jobs is that certain things will likely never be able to be produced by a robot or maybe you can advise if it's possible so things like you know having a therapy session with a psychotherapist or things like composing a song or drawing a piece of art something that is original and fresh and creative yeah i think that uh, i think that at least uh, you know, right now, I think that the artificial general intelligence or machine intelligence has not quite uh, built to to that level. Uh, but I, I will say that, you know, um, we, we are obviously, you know, during the COVID period, we have seen that a lot of our psychosocial and, and uh, you know, students who are stressed are engaging on an online interface. Um, and I was talking to one of my colleagues who works in this space, and I said, you know, how do you, you know, because the volume has increased quite a bit. Uh, and the one person said, well, you know, for in some groups, uh, there's still a stereotyping uh, issue. Uh, and by able to, by speaking over the phone, uh, one is able to at least uh, have that first interface that makes it easier. The next step where you would see the psychologist in person. So I have a feeling that the machine learning will bring about 
new interfaces. Uh, and if you look at uh, persons who are differently abled, uh, these individuals will have, you know, technology has really made a lot of changes in how you bring about engagement. So, you know, at the moment, I think that machine intelligence and machine learning has benefited quite a bit from causal relationships uh, with uh, different uh, data, with data set sets. But I think that uh, it's moving towards uh, from causal to also a casual uh, relationship. So, I, I guess I'm not ruling it all out, uh, you know, ruling it all out. I think that there are possibilities that uh, artificial superintelligence uh, can bring about uh, in future, uh, which we have not yet uh, seen. Mm-hmm. All right. We have another caller, Jermaine in Krugersdorp. Hi. Hi, mm. Yes, we can. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, good afternoon to yourself and, and to the professor. Um, I think my, my sort of, you know, question or uh, more of a comment, I would say, is just around uh, something that you guys touched on a bit earlier, um, where you, you're browsing around, whether it's uh, on Facebook or social media, and all of a sudden you start seeing, you know, ads popping up in relation to what you were searching or or either chatting about. And and I just want to check with the professor, you know, whether any work has been done in respect of, you know, how this potentially, you know, from an ethics perspective and and, and invasion of privacy, um, you know, how this potentially could be, you know, uh, set the the consumer's mind at ease and, 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 you know, not allowing any party that's partisan to this to transgress any sort of, you know, of these um, um, aspects, if, if I can put it that way. So I'm hoping that I, I sort of framed it correctly, but I, I'd just like to get the, the professor's thoughts around that specifically. Mm, professor? Yeah, sure. I think that uh, there is quite a bit of work going on. Uh, In fact, there are regulatory frameworks that are also being uh, developed. And South Africa, when it, uh, you know, it had the the presidential commission on the fourth industrial revolution, uh, that commission uh, did, in fact, look at uh, the aspect around uh, data and algorithm related to, uh, you know, to to how your data is being managed uh, by this different system. So that's the one part is the regulatory part. The second part is the education part so that, uh, you know, persons who are accessing the web uh, do understand that, you know, if you have, if you're using social media, then there is an element of data harvesting that is taking place, which is how you start to see these ads along the lines of what you're searching. The third area is this area that I mentioned earlier called ethically aligned design. This is where you embed uh, into the algorithm certain, uh, you know, good value systems. So if you think about an algorithm or an AI system, very much like a person, like a child that grows, you teach the child certain value systems. uh, And similarly, uh, you, 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 determine, you know, what is differentiated good from from bad. Uh, And then uh, that may be one person, that may be one AI system. There may be another AI system that helps to calibrate 
what the other person or the other system is doing uh, by way of these, these principles. And there are a number of these principles, one of them being human rights, another one being well-being, uh, another one being transparency, accountability. Uh, and these are some of the principles uh, that is used from a computing point of view when algorithms are being being designed. Uh, and I think maybe just, I think something that we will all associate with is that if you look at the number, the amount of emails that you used to get, and you see that the, the level of spam has decreased, uh, depending on, of course, what email client you are using. And I think that is an example of how uh, machine learning uh, is used uh, with certain uh, spam, uh, you know, rules to reduce uh, the amount of spam. So that's an example of how uh, filtering uh, occurs. So there's a lot of things that's going on uh, in terms of developing, in a way, the value system of ethics for AI. Professor, we have run out of time. What are your final thoughts and words on just on artificial intelligence and a nice key takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, I think that uh, ultimately, you know, what we make out of AI or the fourth industrial revolution, whichever you'd like to think about, is how do we as individuals, you know, if you're, if you're talking to Sora or you're talking to Rela Bokhile, what would Rela Bokhile 4.0 uh, do differently in terms of the skills revolution? How do we re-imagine uh, electricity 4.0? Uh, food security 4.0. I'm just using some of the examples that was mentioned earlier in terms of the challenges that uh, some of our city, our, our areas are experiencing. What about health 4.0, water 4.0? Mm. So I think, uh, you know, I think that the magic in terms of the takeaway is how does artificial intelligence intersect with, uh, for instance, the social development goals so that ultimately we are able to get uh, we are able to benefit humanity uh, using these uh, technologies. Uh, thank you, Rila Bokhile. Professor Sarab Sina, Deputy Vice-Chancellor, Research and Internationalization at the University of Johannesburg on Artificial Intelligence.